Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. Welcome back. I am really excited to have a special guest on today. Julie is a culinary dietitian who's going to help me answer the question, what if I don't like to cook? I know there's a lot of people that I've talked to, particularly people who are cooking for one, who just don't like to and don't want to, and that's totally fine. But if you find yourself in the camp of maybe I want to learn more about cooking, maybe I want to see ways that I can make cooking a lot easier for myself and try it out. This is the episode for you. So Julie and I talk about kind of her journey with becoming a dietitian and a chef. She talks about some of the things that she loves about cooking and some of her less favorite aspects of cooking. And we really talk about good resources for people who don't like to cook, options for semi-homemade meals, quick meal ideas, and just hacks for anybody who doesn't necessarily like to cook but wants to learn a new skill or to cook more at home to save money. And let's just get right into it. So Julie, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is an awesome podcast because I think it's going to reach a lot of people because everyone struggles with cooking. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, there's there's so many people out there who just don't like to cook and that's okay. But sometimes we're in a place in our lives where we kind of have to. So this is this is the episode for them, right? Yes. All right. Well, Julie, let's just jump right in. Do you want to start by introducing yourself and telling telling the listeners a little bit about what you do right now? Sure. So a little bit of background about myself. Um, I went to culinary school at Johnson & Wales University, and my degree was in culinary nutrition. So I got kind of got the best of both worlds. I got my culinary degree along with my nutrition degree. And then right after that, I did my dietetic internship at the College of St. Elizabeth and became an RD. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to merge food and nutrition together because I really like educating about nutrition through food. So my first job was a retail dietitian working right in a supermarket. And then I went into a private practice and now I'm completely on my own, which is very exciting. So I've always had my own business as a side hustle throughout my internship, throughout my first two jobs, but then it really turned into something that I could do full time, which has been really exciting because this has been a new transition for me within this past year. So what I'm currently doing now is a lot of recipe development. Um, I just finished right, co-authoring my first cookbook, which I'm really excited about that's coming out in the fall. It's all about healing soups. Um, and I'm doing a lot of different corporate wellness presentations. So everything again goes back to that culinary nutrition about educating about nutrition through food. And that's my passion. Oh, that's so awesome. I was like silently cheering as you were talking about a lot of the things that you're up to. It's just it's so exciting to see all of the opportunities 
that come your way. Um, how, so you like to cook and that's really awesome. I didn't know that there were nutrition programs where you could combine the two. I think I would have done the same if I, I honestly had that. no idea. Um, cause I transferred into Johnson and Wales cause I did a year first at this really small school, Cabrini college. And, um, I transferred into Johnson and Wales and I really didn't understand the path to become an RD that way. Um, so it was kind of like a blessing in disguise that I did really enjoy my first year of college and then it got me to Johnson oil. So you never know what's going to happen in life. Ain't that the truth? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I think we all have those stories where you just kind of happened upon something and then it just, you know, the door just opened and it's exactly, even with blogging, like I started it as a hobby because so many people were asking me like, Oh, can you share your recipe for this? So that's how I kind of really started it. And then I connected with so many people who are doing it as their job. And I was like, Oh wow, I can really turn this into a business. And if you asked me like during my internship in undergrad or anything, like, do you think you would have your own business? That was never an idea in my mind. It was never – I always had entrepreneurial spirit, but it was never a thought to just run my own business. Yeah, I was the same way. I started blogging to keep in contact with a good friend of mine from my nutrition program. Well, actually, first of all, I didn't get a job right away. And I was like, "Uh, I should find something to do while I'm looking. Mm -hmm. And so I started that and did it with um, a friend of mine from my program. And and then here we both are working – quote unquote, full time for ourselves and working to earn that money, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's challenging, but it's also awesome at the same time. And I attribute a lot of my success to the wonderful network that is dietitian bloggers, because I've learned so much along the way. And it's just like a really a great feeling that people are on your side and they support you. Agreed. I online world. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind of lonely. So it's nice to have some familiar faces out there. But yeah, it's so it's so supportive. It's such a really wonderful place to be. So if you're a dietitian and are curious about (laughs) blogging or anything, there's a really, really great network of of dietitian bloggers. Because also, too, like, they don't teach you that in your dietetic internship or undergrad, like, how to start a business. No way. No, not at all. It's totally brand new territory. It totally is. It totally is. It's so, it's so foreign. We get the nutrition part. That's, that's, that's good. Mm -hmm. But the other, yeah, the entrepreneurial stuff is just so, (laughs) it's a whole nother world. So let's, can we step back a minute and talk a little bit about growing up? Did you really like food growing up? Tell me a little bit about that. So I come from an Italian family, and food is always the focus of any gathering. Everyone's bringing food. Everyone's trying new recipes to bring. So there was always food growing up. Um, It was really a healthy relationship with food until... I started becoming that like preteen and I started noticing like how food really affects your body. And that's how I really started getting into the nutrition side because I was very active in sports. But I was always super adventurous growing up about food. I always wanted to try new things. Um, I was not your typical picky eater like my sisters were. Um, So I was really exposed to a lot, but then I realized in culinary school I wasn't because I was really eating along with my family's preferences. Um, So going to culinary school was like big eye-opening. Like there's so many new foods out there. There's so many other cooking techniques that I never knew about. 
So I think I was exposed a lot, but going to culinary school, it opened my eyes even more. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and, you know, I mean, we're in our own world and especially the world that our our parents, you know, kind of created for us. And, and so, yeah, being an, introduced to whole other things, is that's um, that's great. So tell, did you cook as a kid? I was always kind of like in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I honestly, when I was like in middle school, I loved baking. And now it's kind of like the opposite now. I'm not a big fan of baking because I hate measuring. <laughs> Me too. But at first I wanted to become a pastry chef. And then I was like, oh, I do really like cooking because my grandma was always in the kitchen and you're just kind of always like in there with her testing things, tasting things, stirring, especially at a very young age. Um, So, yeah, I was always like really intrigued and interested and I liked experimenting with things. Oh, that's so neat. So, I mean, you've known for a long time that you wanted to become a chef, it sounds like. Not necessarily. I loved cooking, uh-huh. but like culinary school wasn't really on my radar. Um, I didn't think like I wanted to do that as a profession, but since like this is kind of a unique way, like I think I didn't want to be in the back of the kitchen all day. And I learned that in culinary school too. Like the back of the restaurant is like very high stress, um, and I'm not a super like night owl person. So it's like that vibe that I don't, I didn't really connect with, but then understanding at Johnson and Wales, like you can go a different direction in culinary. I think that's what really drew me in. Oh, that's so neat. Yeah. I mean, you were able to just avoid the whole restaurant scene, weren't you? So I did work in restaurants, like catering business, worked in a lot of catering business, like throughout high school and even like college summers. So I definitely got the industry experience, but I knew like I, high-end like restaurant wasn't like my vibe yeah 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 it's you know even in the nutrition field there are just so many options there and yeah to be able to combine those two areas is fantastic that's so cool Um, and that's also unique because like during my internship everyone's like you have to start clinical you have to start clinical you really don't I didn't I'm fine (laughs) Yeah, and I, I actually did. I felt, it, well, I was already working at the hospital, so it was a little bit easier. I felt like I did, and I'm glad I did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, you're going to get good experience no matter what you do, and it mm-hmm. kind of helps set up the trajectory of your of your career, which is exciting. And, and that led, it set up my trajectory by me realizing that I don't want to do this long term. <laughs> <laughs> So unless you do it, you don't know, right? Yeah, it's so true. And I ended up liking it a lot more than I, than I thought that I would, which is, which I, I'm, which was good for that time when I was working at the hospital. So since you've been to culinary school, Julie, how has your cooking style changed? I'm so curious about kind of that, how you took what you learned in culinary school and then applied that to your own cooking so in culinary school, again, like, it really opened my eyes to, like, different cuisines because you did, like, the class classical French cuisine. You, like, really honed in on all the different techniques and skills. So how you were really transforming simple ingredients into, like, these extravagant dishes. Um, so I think culinary school really opened my eyes. And then when I was in my dietetic internship, it was kind of like, oh, gosh, we have to pull in the reins. Like, everything has to be, like, super healthy because if I'm going to be a dietitian, 
And then I like kind of transitioned back into like all foods fit. Like this is ridiculous. There's healthy cooking techniques. Um, I don't like to label foods good or bad. It's all about nourishing your body. And I kind of find my like sweet spot like after my dietetic internship. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting because I felt the same way. I mean, obviously, I didn't go to culinary school and don't have the wealth of knowledge that you do. But, you know, I've I felt that way, too. You kind of, um, at least in my experience, and I'm curious what you felt like, but I, I wasn't ever told explicitly, you know, like, oh, you're going to be a dietitian. This is how you have to eat or, you know, whatever. But you're learning about nutrition all the time. And so... Uh, that kind of leads to this is what's quote unquote healthy. And so therefore that's what I have to eat. Um, I've like more recently started using more salt and more butter in my cooking and oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it's made the b- biggest difference. <laughs> that's my like biggest pet peeve of people are like, I can't use salt when I'm cooking. Salt is meant to be seasoning with your food. It's meant to enhance the flavors of the food that you're working with. It's not meant to make your food taste salty. That's not its purpose. Because I always go back to like, why is there that little pinch of salt in your cookies or your brownies that you're baking? It's to bring out those other flavors. It's not meant to make your cookies taste super salty. So as we're cooking, adding salt, seasoning as we're going, there's no need to add salt on afterwards. And that's where the excess sodium usually comes into play. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, there's – well, there's salt in a lot of things anyways, just even natural Mm -hmm. foods as they come from the ground or or meat or whatever. But, yeah, so that excess salt is really coming from salting afterward. Or even, like, processed food. So if you're really cooking and seasoning yourself, you're really not going to exceed that excess sodium limit. Yeah, and frankly, I you know most people are not salt sensitive, so it's probably mm-hmm. not an issue for a lot of people. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and that's I think I think like opening your eyes to different ways of cooking that's helpful to be able to see those different flavors, um, like you talked about a little bit before. So now let's kind of um, well, oh yeah. So before we move on to talking specifically for people who don't like to cook. Let's talk about you and cooking. What are your favorite and least favorite aspects of cooking? So my favorite aspect is I find cooking very relaxing. So it's almost like a stress management thing for me and like an act of self-care. So knowing that like I'm, I do a lot of meal prepping um, besides like if I'm recipe testing that week. So the act of meal prepping is like very relaxing. I usually put on music or even watch a show as I'm doing it. And I, I just love the aspect of cooking. I find it very like self care. Um, but my least favorite definitely is doing the dishes afterwards. Me too. Because all of a sudden they pile up and I'm in like a small apartment kitchen. So it kind of gets a little crazy in there. Agreed. Yeah, I don't have a dishwasher, and so it's it's like, oh, spent this time cooking, and now I have to do the dishes, <laughs> or I just do yeah. them the next day, or whenever. <laughs> so I love that you find cooking so relaxing. I'm in that same camp. If if I have enough time, if I have the ingredients that I need, if I have a recipe that I'm looking forward to making, it's it's just so enjoyable and relaxing to me. But what about so since we're talking today about people who don't necessarily 
necessarily like cooking. What are, do you have any tips for making that a little bit more relaxing? Yes. Finding all those shortcuts that you can, because oh, realistically there are weeks where I don't have time either that I'm not meal prepping or I'm so busy that there's nothing really getting started in my kitchen, but what are all the shortcuts that I can do? Yes. Could you share those? Yep. So I typically always have like a different grain batch cooked for the week, but sometimes I'm not cooking it and I'm utilizing the frozen quinoa or frozen brown rice or even white rice that's just already stuck in my freezer and ready to go. Same thing goes for different vegetables too. Like I love fresh vegetables, but like definitely I'm stocking my freezer with frozen because that can easily turn into a dish. So it's kind of like where do you want to cut your time down on? Is it prepping, like cutting things? Is it actually the cook time of it? Because cooking rice is pretty easy, but at the same time, you have to keep an eye on it. You don't want it to boil over. Um, So if you can have it frozen, ready to go, that's one less step for you. Yeah, and if you want to be able to eat in 15 minutes, (laughs) you're not going to be able to cook rice. (laughs) Exactly. Like one of my favorite go-to like 10 minute meal is a stir fry frozen rice frozen veggies and sometimes it's a can of beans other times I'll scramble an egg in there or the pre-cooked shrimp that's frozen that comes together in like 10-15 minutes that's fantastic so um yeah I I really like that idea do you have other quick meal ideas that you will go to you know in like a 10-15 minute dinner Definitely breakfast for dinner. It's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, again, eggs cook really quickly. Um, you can do some toast. I sometimes just do a piece of fruit on the side. The thing about, like, quick and nourishing meals is they don't have to be super gourmet. You just kind of have to find the balance. Is this going to be satisfying, number one? Do I enjoy eating this, number two? And is it quick and easy if the am in a time crunch? Oh, yeah, that's such a great reminder. You know, I think... When we talk about eating intuitively, a lot of times that comes down to, you know, eating foods that you enjoy. And I think that's something that I would recommend 80% of the time, you know, and the rest of that time, there's those days where you're just not feeling it or you literally don't have time or the brain capacity to put Mm -hmm. any thought into it. And that's okay. Or, you know, you're just really tired. Just throw something together, get food in you and then move on. And exactly. I like that. And like being okay with any, like, no, there's no such thing as a perfect meal. Um, like <laughs> what even morning, would that look like? Trying, what? What even would that look like? I don't even know. But everyone's like, oh, there's always like a negative about like people's plate. When I talk to people about food and like what they're eating, they always kind of like revert to the negative aspect of it. Like I should have had this instead or I shouldn't have put butter on my toast or something like that. But I always try to twist it around and I'm like, what are the food positives of that? You're eating a piece of whole grain toast because you added a little bit of butter on it. And now you're having the toast, you're getting energy and the toast paired with the eggs, which has the protein and all the different vitamins and minerals in there. So like, what are all those food positives instead of focusing on the negatives? Oh, that's such a good way to look at it because I think a lot of times, especially if you're making something for the first time or you're kind of excited about it and maybe it doesn't turn out exactly how you hoped for it to happen because that, mm-hmm. I mean, that happens to everybody, right? So Exactly. Yeah, and it's so easy to focus on, well, you know, it, it would be better if 
or, you know, I should have done this. Well, maybe that one, like 10% of the meal was not the best, but there's still a lot of it that's good. And you have to think about the big picture. Yeah. Like this morning, I had chocolate chip pancakes. Do I make chocolate chip pancakes on a regular basis? No, but I was kind of craving them. So I was like, all right, let's do chocolate chip pancakes today. Yum. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) So, yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. I think those are important reminders for all of us that, you know, food doesn't always have to be super amazing, but also at the same time, you can throw together something that's delicious, that's going to nourish your body and doesn't have to take very long. And kind of jumping back, because I forgot to, to bring it up before, but I love your ideas of the frozen um, grains and like you said, shrimp and then also frozen vegetables because those are all ingredients that you can have on hand. And honestly, I mean, frozen vegetables, they'll cook up differently and they do taste a little bit different. But quality wise, like there's not a huge difference there between that and the fresh option. They're they're really great. I think that's a big misconception. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, too? Yeah, so I talked a lot about this when I was a retail dietitian, like working in the supermarket, because everyone, I always quizzed everyone. I was like, what do you think is healthier, fresh or frozen vegetables? There was like, fresh. But your frozen vegetables are flash frozen, meaning that at the peak of their ripeness, they're frozen on the spot. So it locks in all that nutritional value. The only thing you have to be a little bit more cautious of is that now it's in a package. So your frozen broccoli, for example, should just be frozen broccoli. That should be the only ingredient. Um, versus sometimes it's lightly seasoned, which might be light in taste, but not light in like sodium or nutrition facts. They might be adding a, to- a lot of the different additives and whatnot, or they might be adding like a cheese sauce. So you can add your own seasonings on it. Just stick to like the plain. Well, yeah. And that way you're able to, you know, use it in different dishes as well. So you don't have to, oh, what's going to go well with the seasoning in this? Like you could just use exactly. it for whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit more about some practical tips for people who are cooking for one and don't necessarily like cooking. So, um, so what, so we already talked about meal ideas. Do you have any other quick meal ideas other than breakfast and then stir fries? Um, let's see. So dinner is usually the one that everyone wants to start with because by the time dinner rolls around, they're potentially home, and this is the time that they're actually cooking. So Mm -hmm. if dinner's the one thing you want to be cooking, then start with just dinner. Don't worry about breakfast and lunch yet. Yes, choose nourishing options during breakfast and lunch, but if the one thing you want to really start focusing on cooking, start with dinner. And then even starting with one component of dinner. So maybe you want to master how to cook grains. Great. Okay, so now you're going to do a frozen veggie or just like a baked sweet potato or something that's super easy and a rotisserie chicken or, again, the pre-cooked shrimp. And then the only cooking component is really that grain. You learn how to master how to cook that grain. You want to play around with different seasonings with that grain. And then once you're comfortable with that and you've kind of mastered that, now move on to maybe doing vegetables a little bit differently, prepping your vegetables, sauteing them, roasting them, doing different cooking methods until you kind of figure out which one you like the best and which one's the easiest for you. Yeah. And oh, moving on. I think that's a great idea. Would you, would you say, I feel like 
it's a hard question to ask because I feel like it's really loaded. But when you talk to people and they say that they don't like to cook, do you, you know, I mean, is there a reason for that? Or is it kind of, you know, maybe not knowing how to cook so much, not feeling so comfortable? What do you think? Um, A little of both. I think they're kitchen confidence is very low because if they didn't grow up cooking or their parents didn't grow up cooking, that is a big struggle because they don't really know the basics. And it's kind of going back to the basics. If everyone just honed in on like how to perfectly roast vegetables, how to perfectly cook that piece of chicken or salmon, um, I think just getting back to the basics is going to be key first. You don't have to make gourmet meals. Following recipes are great because Um, especially someone who doesn't have that intuitive cooking knowledge and skill, that's going to be their map for them. But again, when you look at a recipe, it's just a guide. It's not a mandate. So you can start playing around with that once you get more comfortable. Oh, that's such a good tip. Yeah. And again, everybody has different reasons for liking to cook or not liking to cook. But Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it just takes, you know, maybe I'll I'll play around with it. And that's why we're going to talk next week about, you know, what if you don't know how to cook and and what to do for that. Um, So you talked a little bit about, about, you know, getting a rotisserie chicken or something. I I think, at least in my mind, a simple way to ease into cooking, maybe you want to save money, maybe you want to learn that skill or whatever the reason is for wanting to cook at home. I think semi-homemade food is a good way to get started with that. Do you have any good options for people who want to make components and buy others um, more than what you talked about? Let me think. So let's see. So obviously like the rotisserie chicken, because that one you can utilize in so many ways. You could just eat as is. You can turn it into a chicken salad. You can put it on top of um, a regular salad. You can add it to soups. Um, so there's so many different options you can utilize that chicken, but then also think about like so many grocery stores have those prepared sections now where they have the grilled salmon already done for you, or even the one they have frozen, like individual packs of salmon, um, that you could buy. I kind of always go back to those two examples. I love chicken and salmon. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) they're easy too. (laughs) There's so many different options you can really think about when it comes to getting it, the process started. So again, that quinoa, you can buy quinoa or brown rice frozen or the microwavable pouches, and then you can chop in some pieces of broccoli or carrots or seasonings into there so it's not just plain. You're just kind of taking what started and kind of adding your own little twist on it. Oh, that those are such great tips. So some of the, you know, pre-cooked uh, grains, and then also look at the deli. At least the couple grocery stores around me, they've got really great deli sections. And that's a great way to just add something to what's in the deli. Yeah, so many different, like so many grocery stores are really upping their prepared food game. And of course, there's going to be some like not so healthy options, which are sometimes foods, but then you can find like the salad bar, they're really ramping that up, especially in the area of the almond. There's different like lean protein options, there's so many different vegetables roasted, steamed, and so this already started for you. Yeah, yeah. And that way, I I feel like sometimes... I'm talking to people and, you know, they've, they've planned out meals and they're, you know, have ideas in mind even. And, and then, you know, again, if you're eating in a way that you're like listening to your body, maybe that mm-hmm. comes down to the fact that you're just not 
up for whatever it was that you had planned on. And so that could be a great option, like, oh, go to the deli and, and maybe find something that you weren't planning on making or is a little bit more difficult to make at home. And then you can get that and kind of go from there and then make whatever you planned on at a different time too. And then especially if it's a new ingredient or you're trying a new recipe for the first time and you don't need a lot of one ingredient, definitely utilize like what's already prepared. So if you're making like a pasta salad and you need like bell peppers that are chopped in, you don't even eat bell peppers, but you want to try this recipe, just go to the salad bar, get a little bit of that bell pepper so you don't have to buy a whole one and waste it if you end up not liking it. And I know bell peppers to some people is like, oh, who doesn't, who's never tried a bell pepper? There are people out there who've never tried bell pepper before. So I've encountered that. <laughs> so it's like breaking down those barriers of just starting small. You don't have to go out and revamp your whole kitchen pantry and refrigerator with all new ingredients if you want to start cooking. It's meeting you where you're at and starting at one little step and chipping away at it. That's such a great way to look at it. I like that. And that's a great idea for the the salad bar. So don't necessarily use it only for making salads, but you can just get different vegetables there or toppings or whatever if you just want or need a little bit. Such a great tip. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So that is about it as far as this episode goes. Julie, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Like if you were talking to somebody who doesn't like cooking, but for one reason or another needs to cook or, or wants to try to cook a little bit more at home, do you have any tips for them? Just, again, starting small and chip away at it. Um, if you're looking to really work on your knife skills so you're a little bit more efficient, try taking, like, one cooking class in your area if they're available to kind of have an instructor kind of lead you through that. Um, if you're in New, the New Jersey area, I'm happy to help you with that. But there's always resources out there. There's YouTube videos that show you how to hold a knife properly because even those basic skills some people struggle with. So, And kind of being okay with admitting that you're starting from scratch and you want to start with the basics. You don't have to, again, cook a gourmet meal. You're just kind of getting yourself to a point where you can cook for yourself, you start getting comfortable with cooking techniques and you have that as an option in your back pocket that you have the capability to cook at any time. Oh, the, those are such great tips. Yeah. And I think, you know, accepting the fact that maybe you didn't have anybody to show you how to do that or, um, you didn't see anybody cook very much or you just weren't interested in it at different points of your life or your whole life so far, that's okay. And just run with it and, and find ways, simple ways to go from there. That's fantastic. Thanks so much, Julie. So I guess we are doing two episodes, but why don't you quickly share how people can follow you um, for this one? Um, so all my Insta like Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, it's all at Chef Julie underscore RD. You can find me there or you can find me at julieharringtonrd.com. Fantastic. Great. Well, it was great talking to you. And we're going to be continuing this conversation next week. We're going to be talking about what if I don't know how to cook? Where do you go from there? Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. 
feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is nourishnutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week. Thank you.